Well, good morning, Dort University. It is so good to be with you this morning, and uh, I love that in the midst of everything that's going on in our world, we can come together and worship and praise our God, knowing that our God holds this world with fierce love. Our God is not letting this world go. God is still in the mix, and God will still continue to take care of us. Uh, Aaron, thank you for that introduction. I am deeply humbled to be here uh, and thankful, thankful to be here, especially this week, uh, because I do not receive the call to minister in places where there is a negative in front of the temperature. And so I'm really thankful that this is the time that God ordained for a young kid from Nigeria to be here in Sioux Center, Iowa, where the temperature is a little more bearable with my body and I can enjoy my time here. So thank you very much for inviting me here. Um, I would love to talk with you this morning from the Holy Scriptures, a very popular passage in Christian circles about loving God and loving our neighbor. Luke chapter 10 is where we will be in this morning. Luke chapter 10 verse 25 through 29, and we'll continue in the story. But let me just read chapter 10 in Luke, verse 25 through 29. It says, One day, an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. Do this, and you will live. Please pray with me. God, as we reflect on your words, the words of Jesus Christ, the Logos, the knowledge, the very speech of God, may these words radically change the way that we live, the way we think, the way we act, the way we love. Father, I pray that you would move me out of the way and that your Holy Spirit would speak. And I ask that everybody in this place will be moved out of the way as well and that your Spirit would speak as they listen. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So what do we have in this story today? We have an expert of the law, an expert of the law who is questioning Jesus. He has a few questions from Jesus, but the story tells us that this expert didn't just want to know. He wasn't asking a question because he truly, genuinely wanted to know. He was asking this question because he wanted to trap Jesus. But you know that you can't do that with Jesus. You cannot trap Jesus, because like a master Jedi, 
Jesus switches the script on him and says to him, well, what do you think? How do you read the law, expert? And this expert, I don't know if he was getting his pre-law degree at Dort University, but this expert comes back with knowledge that he should have as a Jewish man. The expert says to Jesus, well, when I read the book of Deuteronomy chapter 4, I see in there the Shema, this thing that every young Jewish person should know. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the law from Leviticus that talks about being holy and being set apart and tells us that we are set apart because we are people who love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And Jesus says, that's correct. Do these things and you will live. But the expert still wants to trap Jesus. And so he says to Jesus, and, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Jesus goes on to tell him a story. See, as Jesus is telling this story, he captures the heart of what it means to truly live eternally. What does it mean to have eternal life, abundant life that only comes through the name of Jesus Christ? It is that we love God passionately with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. And that we love our neighbors compassionately as we love ourselves, sacrificing for them, loving them, and never expecting anything in return. Loving God compassionately and loving our neighbors passionately. That is what God calls us to do. And God has set his church, people who believe in him as the ones who will carry out these commandments, to love God with everything that we have and to love our neighbors sacrificially with everything we possess. Loving God passionately, loving our neighbors compassionately. These are the wings of the plane that God has called us to fly. Whenever we have one without the other, our plane will not soar to the heights that God wants for us. Two wings of the plane that we should always fly as Christians. And we know what happens when a plane tries to fly with only one wing. It doesn't fly. So many times in the church, we're so good at holding on to one of these commandments, either loving God passionately or loving our neighbors compassionately, that we forget that these two things were never meant to be mutually exclusive. God has always intended for us to love him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind and all our strength, and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves simultaneously at the same time, working in tandem, because that is how God wants to build his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So let's go back to this expert's question. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Well, Jesus has an answer. But Jesus doesn't directly address that question. Jesus wants to paint an evocative picture by telling this story. 
And in telling this story, what Jesus masterfully does is he shows this man and everyone that is listening that you cannot parse who your neighbor is. You cannot separate who God has called you to love. See, sometimes we are people who separate. We say, okay, my neighbor is the person who lives down the street, so I'm called to love that person. But we forget that God is also calling us to love the person who lives on the other side of an ocean. Or maybe sometimes we are so concerned with loving the person on the other side of the ocean that we forget to walk across the street and love the person who is hurting next door. Jesus tells this story. He doesn't allow us to choose between metaphorical and geographic neighbors, between loving God passionately and loving our neighbor compassionately. We are called to do all of this at the same time. And so Jesus tells the story. A man was traveling on the road from Jericho to Jerusalem. And many experts who have studied the land, Jericho is a city that is on top. Or Jericho and Jerusalem are cities that have a lot of distance between them. But also they are cities that have a deep change in elevation as you travel from one city to another. Along this road from Jericho to Jerusalem, there are also many, many caves. It's a dangerous and a dusty road. And so Jesus uses this as the backdrop for his story. A man is traveling along this rocky terrain from Jericho to Jerusalem. And as this man is on this road that descends down up to 3,200 feet from point A to point B, Jesus says this, a band of robbers, of thieves, attacks this man. Now, I want to tell you a story from my neighborhood. A few weeks ago, there was a time where we were sharing this, neighbor, uh, this story with neighborhood children at Backyard Bible Club. It's a program that we have at Agape Development where I work. And as we were sharing this story, one of the teachers asked a question, and she asked, hey, kids, can you identify who the main characters in this story are. And of course, everyone is chiming in, oh, the priest, the priest, further down in the story. Oh, maybe the Levite, yes. The innkeeper, the Samaritan, the man who gets beaten. And from the back of the room, you could hear this still, small voice, the voice of a young boy named Joseph. And he chimed up and he said, the thieves, the thieves. And of course, everybody in the room was like, the thieves? What are, what are you talking about? But you could see all of us mentally shift as we started to see that as Jesus tells stories, nothing is wasted. And that Joseph, as funny as it may have seemed to us as he said it, had a point. The thieves are also main characters in this story. Now stay with me, let, let, let's really focus on the thieves for a minute. You see, the thieves in this story, they do two things to this man who's traveling from Jericho to Jerusalem. They strip him bare, so they strip him of his dignity. They strip him of his covering. They strip him of things that make him human and they put him out in a place where he is naked and ashamed. The thieves do that to this man. 
But there's another thing that the thieves do. The thieves beat this man until he lays there lifeless along the side of the road. They rob him of his clothes and they beat him and steal his very life. Now, children of God, in our quest to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, may I suggest to you that from this popular story of priests and Levites, this popular story of innkeepers and Samaritans, this story of a man who gets beaten and left along the side of the road, that many times, yes, the church is like those characters in the story, but there are some times where the church is actually like the thieves, where we beat people senseless until they are stripped of their dignity and stripped of the life that God has called them to live. Is it possible that as Christians, there are times in our life, times in our collective life as a church, our collective life as a people of God, our individual lives as we relate to our neighbors, where we're actually more like the thieves in this story than the priest or the Levite who are busy on their religious way and forget to help this man. Let me take it a little further. If God has called us to love him passionately and to love our neighbors compassionately, and if God has called us to love both our neighbors who are geographic to us, but also our neighbors who are metaphorical, our neighbors who are fellow image bearers who may not live in the same city or come from the same country or culture or be of the same race or ethnicity as us, are there times where we interact with people in a way that is actually more destructive to their well-being and flourishing than doing something that brings the kingdom? Are there times in our lives when we see in our world racism and bigotry and hatred and as a church, we participate or we idly stand by and watch those things happen where we are not like the priest who passes by on the other side or the Levite who crosses over, but more like the thief, actively leaving a fellow image bearer of God, lifeless and helpless, naked and afraid, Stripping them of the dignity that God our Father desires for them. When we do not love our neighbors as we love ourselves, we are like the thieves. When we do not look at people who are different from us and see fellow image bearers, we are like the thieves. When we strive so hard to hang on to power, Forgetting that God is a God who has called us to influence people, not by hanging on to power and lording it over them, but by being influencers who are like yeast and salt and light. We are like thieves instead of good neighbors. Where in your life are you stripping a fellow human being of their dignity and respect? What actions are you taking in your work, in your relationships, that are leaving other human beings, other image bearers, for dead, instead of breathing the life of God into their existence and their experience in this world? Where are the places that God has opened up for you 
to be a person who brings his kingdom, who brings his shalom and his flourishing to systems and to places and communities where when we neglect those things, we aren't like a priest or a Levite, but like a thief who leaves our neighbors beaten down by the side of the road. Think about those places. Think about those things. But I'm thankful that as Jesus is telling this story, he doesn't stop with the thieves. He doesn't even focus a whole lot on the religious people of the day. The Levite and the priest get but a very brief mention. And Jesus highlights another person as the hero in this story. As he's talking to this lawyer and trying to paint this picture of what it means to have life and have life abundantly, what does it mean to have eternal life? He points to a very unlikely hero in the story. He points to a Samaritan. Now, in our day, that word and that phrase, good Samaritan, you know, falls on our ears, and it just kind of rolls off without any significance, historically or culturally. We use it about the person who helps someone who is out of their luck, someone who pulls someone else from a car wreck, and that is good, but we must also remember that in this story, the Samaritans have a very specific place. And so for a Jew who is hearing a Samaritan being highlighted as the hero of the story, that's, whew, that's crazy. Because this is who the Samaritans were. If you read in 2 Kings chapter 17, starting in verse 24, you'll see a story about Israel going into exile in Assyria. And after they go into exile in Assyria, what the king of Assyria does is he brings people from many different countries and nations together to form and resettle this place where the people of Israel have gone into exile from. He resettles them in Samaria. Now the Samarians became what many Israelites and many Jews think of as half-breeds. They were not true Israelites in the sight of the Jews. They were mixed they were not pure. Not only were they not pure ethnically, people of Jewish descent thought that the Samaritans were also not pure religiously. Because they came from different countries and different nations and different tribes, they came with their own religions and started to mix that with their, the worship of the one true God. And so their religion wasn't something that was pure. It wasn't holy. It wasn't set apart. It was not good. And that is who Jesus chooses to make the hero of the story, the hated Samaritan, the person who has no place in Jewish history. Who is it that loves like God loves? It is the Samaritan. And here's the thing about the Samaritan is that the Samaritan goes the extra mile as he sees and encounters this man who is laying there lifeless along the side of the road. The Samaritan not only uses his resources to bind up and bandage the wounds, the Samaritan also takes him. And this is something that I miss every time I read this story, 
I read it and I see the Samaritan binding up his wounds and then taking him straight to an inn or a hospital and then leaving him there and saying, hey, here are some coins, a few days' salary, take care of this man, I will be back. But if you read in Luke chapter 10, what you see is that the Samaritan actually takes this man with him to the inn. And this man spends the night with the Samaritan. The Samaritan brings this man into his own room, uses his own resources in that inn to take care of this man and to stabilize this man for the night. And it is not till the next day that the Samaritan pulls out some money and gives it to the innkeeper and says to the innkeeper, here, take care of this man. And when I return, I will pay whatever expenses you have used in his care. You see, the Samaritan is a person that Jesus highlights as someone who understands eternal life. The Samaritan is a person who understands what it means to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Because the Samaritan goes that extra mile and loves his neighbor as he loves himself. And in so doing, the Samaritan proves that he has desperate and passionate love for a God who has commanded that these things guard our everyday decisions. The Samaritan, the hero of this story, who sacrifices for the sake of another, expecting absolutely nothing in return, and in so doing, brings the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Who's an outsider? Who's an outsider to the kingdom of heaven who from our religious backgrounds we fail to see as a person who can teach us so much about who God is and how God calls us to live? On our own, we cannot do any of this. On our own, we cannot love God passionately and love our neighbor compassionately. We need the Spirit of God at work in us individually and at work in us as a community to bring us to a place where these things are not the things we do once in a while, but become part of our everyday living, every step we take reflecting the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ. Every action that we take, whether that is individually or as a community, reflecting the beauty and the glory of God's kingdom. Everything we do bringing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. So that when the world looks at us and the world looks at the places where we step, we see that every step we take brings the kingdom of God to earth. The world should look different because you are in it. The world should look different because you are a person who loves God and loves your neighbor. And at the end of the day, is that not what being a defender is all about? Loving God and loving your neighbor. Doing that in your classrooms or in your dorm rooms, but also doing that in your neighborhoods and cities. Doing that across the world as you partner with other people to bring shalom and flourishing to this earth. Loving God and loving neighbor with every partnership and every relationship and every action.
God is here. And God has work for us to do. And God has a posture with which he wants us to do that work. It is a posture of passionate love for him and a posture of compassionate love for our neighbors. And if you want to see an example of how that is done well, look no further than to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. This Jesus Christ moved into our neighborhood and he took on our skin and bone. He walked this world as a human being, walked this world so that we could learn what it means to truly be human. You see, we've been human for so long and we've been fallen and broken for so long that sometimes we think that that is the thing that really makes us human. But I love what a theologian, Tabiti Anyabwile, he says, because we've been fallen for so long, we actually believe that that's what it means to be human. But we forget that what it truly means to be human is not to be broken or to be fallen, but to be like Jesus. Jesus shows us the prototype of what it means to be human. And so when we look to Jesus and see the radiance of the Father, the radiance of our God, what we also see when we look to Jesus is what it means to be human. Jesus Christ is what all of us are longing to be like. Jesus Christ and his love and his service is how all of us are longing to serve. Look to Jesus and see his perfection and his beauty and his glory, but also see his humanity. This is what it means to be human, to love God passionately and to love your neighbors compassionately. And when we do that, we will start to see flourishing happening in our lives and in the lives of our neighbors. When we do that, we will start to see the walls of division that stand between us fall down. Whether those are walls of racism or walls of classism or walls of sexism, at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ, all of those walls come crumbling down. At the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ, we find perfect humanity. Jesus Christ mirroring exactly what it means to live the lives that God has called us to live. Jesus Christ showing us through his life, through his death, through his resurrection and his glorification, showing us that this world belongs to God. And even though this world groans, this world groans in anticipation and waits for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed, Jesus Christ shows us that when we love God passionately, and love our neighbors compassionately, our world will begin to heal. Our wounds will begin to mend. And it is this Jesus Christ who shows us what it looks like to be the perfect neighbor, to have no greater love than to lay down his life for his friends, but to even take it a step further and to lay down his life for his enemies. When we were the foes of God, his love still fought for us. Those words in that song just ring so true. 
When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You have been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so, so kind to me. That is the Jesus we love. That's the Jesus we sing to. That is the Jesus we follow. That is the Jesus whose commands we take to heart. Will you follow him? Will you listen to Jesus? Will you trust him when he says that this is eternal life? This is how we get eternal life. This is what it means to live life abundantly and life to its fullest. That you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And that you love your neighbors as you love yourselves. What would our world look like if everyone who followed Jesus lived that way? How would our world be different if we did this individually and also did this as a community? Love God passionately. Whether you are an engineer or in biology or nursing, love God passionately and see how God is calling you to use all of your resources like the Samaritan did to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love God, love people. Do it passionately, do it compassionately. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your heart, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Dort University, I love you. I love you very much. And I pray that you would love God passionately and love your neighbors as yourselves. Because our world will flourish. God's kingdom will come if we simply do those things. I bring you this message in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please pray with me. O Lord our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. God of love, who sacrifices your very life for our good. 
May we lean into the power of the Holy Spirit that urges and moves us to places of radical sacrifice, selfless service for the good of others, for the flourishing of our world, but ultimately for the glory of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn the light of his face towards you and give you his peace. May you love God with everything you are and love your neighbors with everything you have. In Jesus' name, amen.